Welcome to Women Read Scripture. I am Drew Huffaker. And I'm Mariana Richardson. And we're so glad that you could join us here today. We will start off by studying 1 Nephi chapters 11 through 15. And as we begin this discussion, I want us to think for just a minute. Whenever our Heavenly Father has a great work for one of his prophets to do, many times he will give them visions. Joseph Smith, that was an example that when he was just starting his work, he had a vision to help him see kind of the big plan, where he was going to fit in and what his job would be. And that was the same situation for Nephi. After his father Lehi had received the vision of the tree of life, Nephi was also allowed to have an extensive view of that same vision to prepare him for what would be coming ahead. Well, and it's interesting to note how we can have the same vision, but it can be very different. And so we even have a little insight here in 1 Nephi 15, verse 27, where Laman and Lemuel are talking to Nephi about what the different parts of the dream means. And so he says, this is Nephi talking. He says, and Nephi said unto them that the water which my father saw was filthiness. And so much was his mind swallowed up in other things that he beheld not the filthiness of the water, but Nephi had. And so oftentimes we can see the same thing, the same vision or the same understanding, and yet we will see different things. We'll understand different things. And I know, Drew, you talked about how similar that is to our temple worship, how we'll watch the temple film and we each will see different things. Well, even as individuals, every time I go, I see something different. So if I have a specific problem or question in my mind or something that's heavy on my heart and I go to the temple, sometimes my ears will hear something slightly different or I'll see something a little bit differently. And that's kind of the situation with Nephi and his dad, Lehi, right? They oh, were focused and I can imagine it was overwhelming and to soak in all those details, it's I love that they both had that vision and one gives a little bit more detail than the other or brings up other points than the other. Well, and also think about how Lehi's focus was on his family and where Laman and Lemuel were and Nephi and Sam and his wife, you know, were they coming to the tree? And I'm sure that he was so focused on that. Now, at this point, we don't know but we can assume that Nephi is newly married, probably, <laughs> with one of the Ishmael daughters, we know. And yet, um, maybe he didn't have children. Or if he did, they were just little and small. And so sometimes that preoccupation with family can have us look at certain things rather than others. Um, one of the things that is important to know is that... Lehi, I, the difference between Nephi and his brothers is they wanted to know. And he had faith that if he prayed, he could have the same understanding his father did. And when we want to have additional insights or we want to understand things better, let's follow the example that Nephi gives. And if we look at chapter 11, verse 1, there's some key actions, some key points that he makes that we need to do when we are seeking for further light and truth. 
And it says, For it came to pass after I had desired to know the things that my father had seen, and believing that the Lord was able to make them known unto me, and as I sat pondering in my heart, I was caught away with the Spirit of the Lord. So we have to desire. First of all, we have to hear the truth. We have to read the truth. We have to be exposed to this new idea. And we have to have the desire that we want to know ourselves. Then we have to believe that we can receive that greater light and knowledge. And we have to sit and think and ponder. So we can't just ask without giving it any thought for ourselves. And some of the greatest revelations of all time are when people are sitting thinking. When Joseph Smith was reading James 1.5, you know, if any of you lack wisdom, he started to think, well, I do lack wisdom and I do need to ask of God. So he planned it out in his mind how he was going to go do it. And he believed he would receive or he wouldn't have gone to all the trouble of going to the sacred grove and going through all the steps to ask. So I think it's critical when we feel like we need more light and knowledge or we want to gain a testimony of something or a witness or get, get guidance to a problem, we need to have a desire, believe, ponder, and act. So I love that example of Nephi. Well, and that's such a powerful example that Nephi has throughout the Book of Mormon when he's in here. We're also going to see, and I, I love this kind of beginning and end for these chapters, because at the beginning, Nephi goes through the experience that you just talked about. But at the end, he's trying mm -hmm. to teach his brothers yes. how to do that same thing. Uh, Mariana, can I bring up one more point? Sure. Right after we see what he did, the, the different steps to be able to receive revelation for his own. I just love this little verse. So the Spirit says, do you believe everything that your father has told you? And he said, of course, you know that I believe everything my father has told me. And I just love what he says here. Um, the spirit cried with a loud voice saying, Hosanna to the Lord, the most high God, for he is the God over all the earth, yea, even above all. So he kind of did this little happy dance that Nephi is getting it. <laughs> He's getting it. He believes the words. He wants to know more. And he was celebrating. And then he said, And blessed art thou, Nephi, because thou believest in the Son of the most high God, Wherefore, thou shalt behold the things which thou hast desired. So to gain a witness, greater insights, we have to have a firm faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I, I love that. We have to believe in Jesus Christ, act, and we will receive. And the heavens celebrate when we oh, finally are getting it and, we're, completely and we're finding that. our way. Hosanna, Hosanna. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, along with that, we have this angel minister that kind of brings him through this wonderful vision experience. But this center point of this whole vision is the understanding of what the tree of life is and what it represents. And so if we go to verses 21 through 23, basically um, the angel helps Nephi to understand. And the angel said unto Nephi, Behold the Lamb of God, yea, even the Son of the Eternal Father. Knowest thou the meaning of the tree which thy father saw? And Nephi answered him, saying, Yea, it is the love of God 
which sheddeth itself broad in the hearts of the children of men, wherefore it is the most desirable above all things. And he spake unto me, saying, Yea, and the most joyous to the soul. And I love the word most <laughs> because he's saying it's the most desirable and most joyous. And sometimes we'll have things in our life, in the world, that are desirable and that might bring us joy. But he's telling us these things are the most. They are number one. And we have to make sure they stay number one. Yes. So we might think, I love my house. I love my car. I love my things. But the thing that will bring us the great joy and satisfaction, right, is to turn to our Savior, Jesus Christ. That will bring us the most joy. The most joy. And Sister Susan Porter also talked about God's love. And she said, sometimes we mistakenly think that we can feel God's love only after we have followed the iron rod and partaken of the fruit. God's love, however, not only is received by those who come to the tree, but is the very power that motivates us to seek that tree. So when we talk about the vision like we did last week about holding on to that, holding fast, mm -hmm. it is the love of God that motivates us to hold fast to the iron rod. Well, and I think that we don't even have a desire to grab hold to begin with up to the iron rod unless in some form we have found or felt the love of God. Maybe we felt the spirit or somebody bore testimony to us that drew us toward the rod. Um, so we have to feel God's love all along the way. And we know, we learned last week, that the road is not just straight and level and easy. It's difficult. And when we feel his love and his support as we go along, it reinforces our, our determination to stay on the path because we can feel he's there with us. Oh, exactly. You know, in the curves and the bumps and the other problems that right. happen. Right. We also have this angel messenger that constantly says, look, look. And I was impressed with that because then Nephi says, and I looked. And I think sometimes that happens in our life where the spirit will come and point something out. And the question is, do we look? Do we see? And I, I was thinking of a story when my little boy, my little grandsons were with me. And we were walking around, we were on a little hike, and it's not really a hike, it was more of a walk. <laughs> and while we were walking, my grandsons would, would just go, oh, grandma, you know, look at the butterfly, look at the flower, look at this, look at that. And I, you know, sometimes I didn't necessarily want to look, you know, because <laughs> kind of some of the things were like, oh, really? But I can honestly say, if we don't look, I wouldn't have seen some of the beauty that my grandson saw, that I didn't see because my eyes were not open to it. So I think sometimes that idea of look and we need to look. You bring up a good point. Maybe as an adult walking with your grandchildren and they say, look at a butterfly, you think, oh, I've looked at butterflies a hundred times. Right, I've seen They're many not, butterflies. Yes, I don't not need to look real. at another one. Yes, but it's like I open the scriptures again. I've read it over and over again. But if I look, maybe something is going to stand out to me this time, or I'll see it a little differently. And don't take for granted that we already know everything. 
I agree. If we soak in the moment and look and and accept that invitation, our eyes can be open and we can learn all kinds of new things. And if I did. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> he definitely did. Yes, he did. Um, Nephi also witnessed so many different things. As I just mentioned, yes, he looked and he saw. He saw what was going to happen in the future. He saw all kinds of visions and understandings of his own people, but also in terms of the history of the North American continent, the Central America and South America. So how do we feel when we see visions of the future that we know we're not going to live through? You know, sometimes it gives me a little bit of peace, even though I know the things leading up to the second coming, for example. And when I see one little prophecy coming true at a time, it helps me understand this is the plan. It's happening. I can see it all around me. And then you recognize the Lord's hand in our lives, regardless if we're going to live through all of those times ourselves. Well, and as we talked about in our very first discussion, how the purpose of the Book of Mormon is for us to see how the Lord's hand yes. is in all things. It's in our history. It's in the way we view the world. And sometimes, you know, we don't think about that enough. As we read, especially these chapters, and many of these things we know came to pass. Now, Nephi was just having hope that they would come to pass. Mm -hmm. But we know, we know it happened. And so for me, that just helps me to understand that this truly was a vision from the Lord yes. and that the Lord does know all things and we can have faith in that. Did you have some things to share as far as what kind of churches were in the last days? That's one thing that we can see openly in our lives now that there's the church of the lamb and the church of the devil. And can you share a little bit more about that? Sure. One of the things that he does see in this great vision as he's looking to the future that the Lord kind of shows him, he says, this is found in first Nephi 13, four through six. And it came to pass that I saw among the nations of the Gentiles, the formation of a great church. And the angel said unto me, behold, the formation of a church which is most abominable above all other churches, which slayeth the saints of God, yea, and tortureth them, and bindeth them down, and yoketh them with the yoke of iron, and bringeth them down into captivity. And it came to pass that I beheld this great and abominable church, and I saw the devil, that he was the founder of it. Now, um, sometimes we try to say this church is X, or this church is something else. And President Oaks explained a little bit more about the great and abominable church. And he said that Nephi's description represents any philosophy or organization that opposes belief in God. And the captivity into which this church seeks to bring the saints will not be so much physical confinement as the captivity of false ideas. So how can we be captive? of false ideas. I just think that false ideas are all around us and the world is trying to confuse us and to help us, try to make us lose our faith that, you know, why do you believe in Jesus Christ at all? You know, there's a lot of other theories out there of why we're on this earth and how it all became a thing and, you know, what the plan is or is there a plan at all? 
And so I just think it's important that we hold on to the plan that we know. He's telling us right here, there's going to be those that will help the church of the Lamb of God will help us stay focused on him. Everything that pulls us away from that goal is of the devil. So we need to stay close to the to the Lord. Um, in 1 Nephi 13, 37, I think it's interesting to see the role of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the last days. And it says, And blessed are they who shall seek to bring forth my Zion at that day, for they shall have the gift and power of the Holy Ghost. And if they endure unto the end, they shall be lifted up at the last day, and shall be saved in the everlasting kingdom of the Lamb. And whoso shall publish peace, yea, tidings of great joy, how beautiful upon the mountains shall they be. We are small in number throughout the world, but we have the power of the Holy Ghost, and that if we endure to the end, we'll be lifted up and saved in the last day. We do have a great work to do, though. We do. And President Nelson talks to us about that, that we have to publish peace. But he also gave us a wonderful quote that we've heard, but I think it's important to keep thinking about it. One of our main primary goals is to gather Israel. Is that right? Oh, definitely. And people sometimes get overwhelmed. What does that even mean to gather Israel? And our dear prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, has said, any time you do anything that helps anyone on either side of the veil, take a step toward making covenants with God and receive their essential baptismal and temple ordinances are helping to gather Israel. It's that simple. So if we are training up our children in the way they should go, if we are attending the temple and partaking of those ordinances and, and helping in that way. If we're doing our family history, if we're trying to show love to our neighbors who are lost, anything that we can do to share that light of Jesus Christ with others here on this earth or to help to others to gain their covenants on the other side of the veil, we are helping to gather Israel. So we should just Get busy and keep going. Yes, we do. We have a lot of work to do, and we know of everything we could be doing in our lives. This is the very most important thing that the Lord needs us to do before the second coming. Well, and Nephi's vision that he was gaining, this was so important part of his vision that all of chapter 13 and chapter 14 are both focused on what's going to happen with the Gentiles here in the promised land during the latter days. And a matter of fact, if we go to chapter 14, verse 7, we have this wonderful idea of the great and marvelous work that's going to be happening. And the time cometh, saith the Lamb of God, that I will work a great and marvelous work among the children of men, a work which shall be everlasting, either on the one hand or on the other, either in the convincing of them unto peace and life eternal or unto the deliverance of them to the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, unto their being brought down into captivity, both temporally and spiritually, according to the captivity of the devil. So this is the great work that we're supposed to be doing here in preparation for the second coming. We're supposed to be a part of that great and marvelous work. So we can ask ourselves, what is my mission 
what am I supposed to do? And for every single person, it's going to be different. But President Nelson talked specifically to the women of the church. And he talked about what we're supposed to be doing in terms of this great and marvelous work. And he said, the gathering of Israel is the greatest challenge, the greatest cause, the greatest work on earth today. It is a cause that desperately needs women because women shape the future. So tonight I'm extending a prophetic plea to you, the women of the church, to shape the future by helping to gather scattered Israel. And I love that for us to realize we are very much a strong and vital role in this great and marvelous work of bringing to pass the righteousness of mankind in general. And as you said, through missionary work, but also through temple. Right. And we have to be proactive. Mm -hmm. We can't wait till we get a calling to minister or to be a relief study president or to work in the primary or whatever we're going to do. We have to actively be engaged in looking for ways to help build the kingdom of God and to gather Israel. So I think it's important that we are looking and praying every day. What can I do for thee today? And just go out and do it. So he knows he can count on us to do whatever he needs to have done. Well, and we too can gain a vision, just like Nephi did, of what our role should be. And that goes to verse 14 of 14, where we get this promise against the powers of darkness that are going to be happening here in these last days. Because Nephi also talks uh, in great detail about some of the, the negative and darkness that are going to be happening in preparation for the second coming of the Lord. And he says, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the power of the Lamb of God, that it descended upon the saints of the church of the Lamb and upon the covenant people of the Lord, who were scattered upon all the face of the earth, and they were armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. So that we can have that confidence and know that that promise is real, <laughs> that we will be armed with the power of God and we will be armed with righteousness. And for me, wow, that is pretty strong. And he's talking about not just people here in you know, the Americas, but he's saying scattered upon all the face of the earth. So all the saints throughout the world will all be saved and protected through this wonderful promise of the arm of righteousness and the power and glory of God. When we studied the vision of the tree of life, we are told the way that we stay on is holding fast, right? Mm -hmm. To the iron rod. And we're taught that the iron rod is the word of God. Well, I love Elder David A. Bednar's talk that was called, but, he, he, but We Heeded Them Not. It was one of his general conference talks. But I love the insight he gives us about what the word of God is. He said that the word of God can refer to the scriptures. It can refer to the living prophets. And it can refer to Jesus Christ himself. So if you think about how do you hold fast to the scriptures, for example. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're all doing it right I'm now. I'm holding it. I know. We're all holding it. We're, and, and I think that's part of it is just 
opening up the book. Yes. And so sometimes we have busy, busy, busy days and busy lives. And so part of that holding fast is literally opening the book. Holding it. Holding it. <laughs> holding it. Exactly. Yeah. And yes, and holding it dear to our hearts and talk about it and make it come alive for us. How do we hold how do we hold fast to living prophets? Very similar. Listen to them. Listen, listen to and them. hearken, which means listen and do. Doing the two together. Yes, because it's different if we just listen. Mm -hmm. And if conference comes back around and we're still just listening, but we haven't changed anything in the last six months, we need to repent and to go back and try to implement the things that he, they've asked us to do. And finally, how do we hold fast to Jesus Christ? But prayer. Prayer and study. You know, the, I think one of the things that we tell our missionaries oftentimes, they will come and ask, well, while we were on the mission, we felt the Spirit every day. And now that we're home, we sometimes don't feel the Spirit every day. And I will ask them, well, how often did you pray on your mission? And we will go through a little exercise where we'll count. And literally, sometimes it was over 50 times a day oh, wow. that they would be praying. And then I would ask them, well, how often are you praying now? And usually the number could be anywhere between three and five. And I said, well, you're praying a tenth of what you prayed when you were on your mission. So start praying more. And when we pray to our Heavenly Father and ask to recognize the Lord's hand in our life, and we ponder and we think about him. I think a big, huge part of holding fast to Jesus Christ is remembering him, remembering what he's done, remembering he's going to be with us no matter what. And he will give us the strength through the enabling power of the atonement to do whatever we're asked. So a lot of that's why we take the sacrament every Sunday is so we will remember him. So a big, huge part of that is remembering him. Um, Elder Bednar also gives us a few other insights about what it means to hold fast to the Word of God. He says, first, it means to remember, honor, strengthen the personal connection we have with the Savior and His Father through the covenants and ordinances of the restored gospel. And second, just like you said, prayerfully, earnestly, consistently, Use the Holy Scriptures and the teachings of living prophets and apostles as sure sources of revealed truth. He also taught, our, as we are bound and hold fast to the Lord and are transformed by living his doctrine. That's the thing. We can't just listen, like you said, or read. We have to become Change. new creatures mm -hmm. in Christ. He says, I promise that individually and collectively, we will be blessed to stand in holy places and be not moved. And I think coming to the tree of life, coming to our Savior is a, a holy place that we want to get there, stand there and be not moved regardless of the world or anything else that's going on around us. And we need to hold fast to those three things, those three different ways holding fast to the scriptures, the words of living prophets, and our, our dear Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's how we will find joy. Well, and it's interesting that the comments and the, the points that you made with Elder Bednar 
are very similar to what Nephi does with his brothers here at the end. In terms of Laman and Lemuel are still having those questions. They're not sure exactly how to understand all these things. And basically, he says, you know, they come and ask him questions. And the response from Nephi is, have you inquired of the Lord? And they say, well, no, you know, we were just trying to figure it out ourselves. And then his answer is found in the same formula. And that's found in 1511. He says, do you not remember the things which the Lord has said? If you will not harden your hearts and ask me in faith, believing that ye shall receive with diligence in keeping my commandments, surely these things shall be made known unto you. So very similar to what Elder Bednar said, we can't harden our hearts. We have to ask in faith. We must believe that we will receive, and then we must have diligence in keeping the commandments, and then these things will be known unto us. <laughs> the last thing that I wanted to read was that by President Nelson. President Nelson gave us a plea, similar to what Nephi was pleading. Nephi pled with his brothers, please, please, please hold on to that iron rod. Please, please, please open up your scriptures and read. And President Nelson had the same kind of plea for us at General Conference. He said, there is no end to the adversary's deceptions. Please be prepared. Never take counsel from those who do not believe. Seek guidance from voices you can trust, from prophets, seers, and revelators, and from the whisperings of the Holy Ghost, who will show unto you all things what you should do. So I know as we kind of end this discussion about Nephi, I love the fact that our prophet today has us in, he has us in his heart. He pleads with us to look to him. He pleads with us to open up the scriptures and hold fast. Just like Nephi pled with his brothers, trying to have them come back. Sisters. Let's recommit ourselves this week that we will remember the Lord, that we will be diligent in coming to know him, and we will bring our families and our friends along with us. Sisters, we love you. We are so grateful to be with you, and we hope we will see you again next week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.